1: guys welcome to the fantasy sports radio network it's the weekend i'm here with the hardest working man on the weekend mike blew it doing double duty today i'm cam stewart hopefully uh, we'll get you settled in talk about a little bit of sports lots of things going on today we'll get to baseball we got the nba finals i know mike will have an opinion on that it's absolutely madness in toronto it's crazy we got the stanley cup I'm final sure. tonight oh i'll tell you mike like i've never seen anything like this i actually actually uh uh, went out last night with my former tenant. Uh, his kids in town, and uh, you know, I, I haven't seen him in a while. So we go out and watch uh, the Blue Jays Rockies game Howell's at a sports kid. bar. Uh, he's about twenty. He's about twenty four, yeah. I guess. He came yeah. from Winnipeg to experience what was going on with the Raptors. That's kind of the thing. Wow. Like he's like, it's not cool enough in my town. I know I'm going to bars and they're still packed, but I wanted to see it firsthand. So his dad got him a ticket, flew him down, and I could tell you, Mike, I was there. I had a house party. When the Jays won their first World Series in uh, 92 against uh, the Atlanta Braves, I was working for the Joe Carter walk off. But uh, I've never seen anything like this. It's it's, it's kind of like our buddy Richard Garner. We had him on the show yesterday. It's kind of transcending sports because it's such a multicultural place where we live. And it's like hockey's kind of hate to say it, Like I'm a big hockey fan, but older kind of white guy type of thing. You know what I mean? The It's yeah. very expensive sport. A lot of the new immigrants, you know, they can't can't afford to put their kids in hockey. So, you know, instead of seeing the Nets, you see the basketball and soccer really grow in the area that that I live in. I'll tell you, Mike, I'm like, these guys are lining up at 3 o'clock in the morning for this stuff. They're jacked up. And... You know, this Kawhi Leonard trade at the time, people were pretty upset about DeRozan, including me and Gabe here at the network because he was such a great Raptor, but uh, it's just been absolutely nuts what's going on right now. It's kind of transcending everything. So this is bigger than
2: when the Jays won.
1: Oh, definitely, 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 because I think it's – Baseball's different. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I love baseball. Like, you you and uh, Joe's Fish Market, Galena loves it. Like, we have a lot of guys here who are really, really smart, smart, intense uh, baseball fans. There is a good base of, like, Blue Jay fans, but there's something about the Raptors because the way Toronto and the area was built with the rest of the country. It's, it's kind of like Gabe brought up a good point, I think, yesterday. I don't see 14-year-old girls on their phone, like, crying, you know what I mean, and jumping up and down in Raptors gear, purse, or whatever at a Blue Jay game yeah. in comparison to what you'll see at the basketball game, people lining up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm not saying, like, the Yankees, it's different. Like, you guys got, like, it's hard, hard, hardcore. Like, we got good fans, but it's not the same. But when it comes to basketball, I think people really underestimated the fan base here. That's kind of, that's that's my take.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really that's a really interesting insight, and not something I would have. Um, you know, I wouldn't have any visibility on that. So I think it's important to note that there is a cultural component to it. Um, you know, what would happen if the Knicks won now? I mean, it, it feels like the city would burn down. But in re- in <laughs> practicality, in practicality, Knicks fans like myself are just been really bummed out about it for a really long time. I'd say the Yankees won so consistently, really, there at the end of the 90s that the 96 World Series was a big deal. Now, nobody is crying in their beer for Yankees fans, but you have to understand from my perspective, and I actually experienced the same thing with the Steelers, even though I didn't live in the city. When I was a little kid, the Yankees and the Steelers were winning all the time, a really little kid. yeah. But from the time I was five years old to the time I was 23 – the yankees didn't win anything so my all of my formative years i was this huge yankees fan and i could talk about their history and how what a great franchise they were but they weren't winning anything the jays were winning the the braves were on the come there in the early 90s and when they won in 96 it was an explosion for the fans i think i similarly experienced that because i grew up even though I admit to not being as big a hockey fan now, I grew up and I really went to a lot of Rangers games and I followed hockey pretty intensely. So when they won in 94, that was... I mean, they didn't win in 50 years, and they haven't won since. That was a release for a fan base that you'd ne- I had never really seen before. And Messier was obviously immortalized with that. For sure. Um, so you remember those moments actually very vividly, even if it's a secondary or tertiary sport for you. So I think... That's some insight I have, and and it just quickly as a Steelers fan, the Steelers, yeah, they won when I was six years old, and they didn't win again until I was thirty-two. Until uh, sorry, they beat your Seahawks, but yeah, they, it's okay, Mike, <laughs> that was a really long time. It sure was. But, like think of that. People always would tell you, ah, Steelers are great. They're in it every year. It's like, yeah, well, they're in it, and they keep losing AFC Championship games at home. I'm was terribly frustrated as a Steelers fan. I watched the Patriots, who are a laughing stock, and the Bucks, who were yeah, even worse, exactly, win a Super they, Bowl the before they did. I know. I and I was going yeah. crazy over it because the Steelers had been in the AFC championship game four and five times and couldn't get over the hump until that final year where, um, even in a poorly played Super Bowl on both sides, uh, they ended up winning. But to your point, um For culturally, for it to rally around, like you said, baseball has just become, especially now, baseball has become different. Uh, It is an aging fan base, and you aren't going to find every city embracing it. Baseball is different here in New York, to your point. Uh, There are still many millions of baseball fans here. Um, But Toronto, this multicultural city with a, a large immigrant population I've even seen in New York, the immigrant population does rally around basketball. You can understand who the players are. There aren't as many players to remember. Exactly. Culturally, a lot of people are able to play the sport very easily. It's why basketball in New York was an epicenter for basketball talent because there are so many parks around and even disenfranchised people could play basketball very easily. Hockey just isn't like that. Baseball, to some extent. Isn't like that. It's why we have actually seen in multicultural communities. It's still a typically white sport in baseball. Baseball has tried to make an effort to get, um, Different cultures involved, starting programs and everything else, but it is a sport that needs to be well organized. Basketball isn't like that.
1: Excellent point, and that—that's the thing. Like in my complex too, and I'm just like just a little bit outside, but it's—it's it's huge. There's millions of people here, and I'm the thing is, Mike. I remember when I moved in 12 years ago. It was a couple kids playing hockey, whatever. It's all basketball nets. All the new yeah. kids that have moved in, you know, from the Philippines, from all over, from China, you know, from Cameroon, you know, everywhere. Like, they're I'm telling you, it's just. It's absolute madness. I see them every single day, just shooting hoops, shooting hoops. And when you got no money, a ball is a hell of a lot cheaper. Like, how the hell are these guys when you come to, when you're coming to a country and your parents save up everything just to get there? Gonna pay for hockey equipment. Hell, the arena costs like what is it, two hundred something dollars? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? The rental of the arena. Yeah, I know. I was very very lucky. Like when I and I remember too, because we had I played rep when I was younger. Like when I was when I was very very young, you know, I played hockey against some guys in the NHL. I know a couple guys, and um, you know, basically the the rich kids on the family would subsidize our poor kid like our best our best player was a black guy and uh, his family was broke, and uh, you know, we all pooled in to make sure he could go to tournaments and stuff like that, yeah. so it's a whole whole different world, and I think people kind of underestimate, you know, the Raptor thing here, like, basketball has overtaken hockey, hockey is one of those things, I'm a huge Leaf fan, I grew up that way, but I've embraced the Raptors the whole way through, too because, you know, I, I, I think it's just awesome I've also been there hosting, when these guys were a one seed, they lost to the Wizards, I was doing bar stuff, giving stuff away, the disappointments over the year, like, with LeBron James just beating, beating this franchise down year after year after year so finally to reach this point and even get a win against a team like golden state it's electrifying like you can't go anywhere now like i've never been in a, in a vibe like this in years and it feels great mike it feels good i almost feel like a kid again because sports kind That's of jaded. you know you feel like a little bit jaded when we talk oh, about yeah. this stuff and now it's 100%. like it's fun it's fun again like we're bringing on our
2: buddies yeah. and we're telling memories right. about the old days you know it feels good i think and nobody again nobody's uh People might roll their eyes at this, but I think when we do talk about it so much, you do tend to get a little bit jaded. You get an occasional hookup to it, uh, you know, for tickets. I've said, you know, we we start to know people that work for different franchises. So it breaks down the barriers of the teams that you root for, too. Right. I'm not going to be. And when I know people that work uh, for the Sixers, I'm not going to be rooting for them to lose. You know, I'm rooting for my friends. Or like you might have people that work for hypothetical, somebody's working for – uh, working for the Bruins. Maybe you got a buddy that works for the Bruins. He's got a pretty big job there. Despite growing up as a Leafs fan, like, you're going to pull for the Bruins a little bit, maybe. You know what I mean? In a hypothetical situation, even though they're a blood rival and an original six team, you're still going to want your buddy to have a good time and, and in that way. You know what I mean?
1: yeah for sure yeah, for sure it's crazy like I, I when you were just bringing up that stanley cup story in 94 i actually know the guy on the vancouver canucks that hit the post that would have been forced overtime really well oh my god like we used to part nathan lafayette he had a very short uh, cup of coffee in the nfl and sorry in the nhl and think about how that would have changed mike one inch either way right the guy's an insurance salesman no. now that puck goes yeah. in you know what i mean long career you're you're, you're you're an absolute yeah. hero or you still could have lost yeah. in overtime but look at the way sure. mess is uh you know uh, the, way, the way ranger fans look at mark messier and it's going to be interesting, yeah. actually, in hockey. I know we're going to get to baseball and all this stuff first, but watching New Jersey and uh, the Rangers with the first and second pick, I think they, things change quick in hockey, Mike. Like, the Leafs, were, yes. so they, they were an absolute joke. And remember, you get Austin Matthews. Remember the Pittsburgh Penguins. You get Malkin and Crosby. Things change quick in the yeah. draft. And uh, with Hughes and Kiko and the guys that they have now, like, there's about two or three, like, really, like, change your franchise-type players, and the Rangers and Devils are going to get them. So, I have a feeling, and what the Islanders did, talking to Kurtz every week, and he's a huge Islander fan, I have a feeling that it's uh, the hockey market uh, in, in the new york area is going to be changing over the next couple years it's going to get a little bit uh, more old school mid-90s it could
2: it could to go back to the the basketball discussion really quickly what yep. in in the turn that you've seen towards toronto embracing basketball what role has it been? Maybe just the cross section of people that have moved there, and what positive role have the Raptors specifically played in it? Whether as an organizational community outreach, or is it just maybe the popularity of a particular player Vince and DeRozan and Lowry, and now Kawhi? What role have they played in all of this? And you don't you don't think yeah. this is just a uh, no, a flash no. in the pan, one no. hot team? This is the the t- the city is obsessed with the Raptors,
1: Mike. They had Jurassic Park when they weren't in like not even like a good team. You you know what I mean? Like they had that before they had pockets of people. And then it just continued to grow when they, when they met LeBron James in the finals. And then, and then now Kawhi Leonard's changed everything because he's kind of, it's almost, he's the opposite of sports guy. He doesn't get up. You know what I mean? He is stone cold poker player the whole game. And to me, it's 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 refreshing. He's actually more like a hockey player than a basketball player. When I look at him, kind of okay yeah you know we're gonna go out there and try our best to yeah. you know, pick some first yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and i love it and i wrote people are like oh you know show us something no don't show us something that's the problem with the old raptors you know what i mean they used to get fired his, up in, in in the press conference the, his the, demeanor the, is calming it's calming the
2: reporter know? asked him the other day uh where do you go from here and he's like I go back to Toronto for Toronto. Game Six. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, they were and down, yeah, the- so <laughs> I'm just going to go back to Toronto for Game Six or whatever it was that he said. He had a really funny <laughs> answer. It was like a very yeah, great. very pragmatic, practical answer. He's like, "Well, I- I'm just going to go back to Toronto and you know, get ready." So, um, well, that's really cool. I- I'm I'm glad they're in the middle of it. Uh, I i my prediction before the series. I didn't get to talk to you about it, but my prediction yeah. before the series was was Warriors and six. I was sort of, I think, due to the home court advantage, I expected the Raptors to get one of these. Uh, I thought they played better than I anticipated in game one. And we can keep talking about this. I, I got plenty of, of takes on this. But yep. the most encouraging thing, there's two facets that I'm, I was very encouraged with. A, they withstood the third quarter blitzkrieg that you normally get out of the Warriors. They withstood exactly. it. They, exactly. They They didn't completely fall apart like the Blazers did in every single game and they were able to withstand it yes the Warriors got close I think they even maybe took a one-point lead at one point but they yep. withstood it and they weren't down 10 for example at the end of going into the fourth or even down five or six or seven uh, like that's a lot for the Warriors to work with because you know they're gonna get some open shots and secondarily. Something that surprised me in the Philly series, especially in Game 7, that didn't happen here is that Siakam was not afraid of the moment. He didn't defer to Kawhi every time he was aggressive. He played the game of his life, which can't happen every game out, but he was aggressive. And this, The roles that we talked about with the Raptors, we talked about this at the beginning of the Buck series. These role players on the Raptors were going to serve them well, like Ibaka. If Siakam can assert himself like that in multiple games, he doesn't even have to play that well every game, then this is going to go seven or the Raptors are going to win.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing about Siakam too. He's long and lean and athletic and quick, and he, he is the NBA's most improved player. People also forget about the 905s. They play where I live, Mike, out there, and they've won. You know, the uh, it used to be MDL, the Gatorade League, the G League, that type of G thing. League, like yeah. a lot of those guys, like you know what I mean. They're they're graduates. The the young guys on the team, OG Ananobi, uh, Pascal, those are guys that graduated there. I, I I work in the same building. I was doing some indoor soccer stuff. So that the, they, these places, that's another thing. This is a minor league game. Those buildings were they, those buildings were packed for the G League so that's what I'm talking about basketball fever like where I live and where everyone lives it's kind of like an underrated thing people assume Toronto and hockey don't get me wrong it's a good hockey market but the basketball market like the Raptors even before this run have overtaken everything and I'm with you Mike it's one of those things when I look at the Raptors great point by you Golden State does that to everybody and Leo Routens the, the broadcaster for the Raptors says if you you cannot have one mental lapse against these guys and we watched every Golden State game Three, three, three. They start banging off threes. You panic. That's what Portland did. Then they went. Nobody after that. That uh, kid Leonard couldn't. He couldn't score. Miles Turner couldn't do anything. And they started freaking out at the end of the game. At the end of the game. And they couldn't come back. The Raptors are different. And also with Mark Gasol inside, he realizes he can be a 20-point type of guy. He has advantages there. Like, he it's not just defense. Night. That's the thing. Like, he looked fluid. That's the thing. Golden State hasn't met a team like the Raptors defensively. I think it's going to be a great series. We're going to go over all the numbers, too. Uh, uh, You you know what I'm saying, Mike? I look at the spread, too. Very surprising. I thought it would be two points the other way. We'll talk about that. Mike mentioned off the top, baseball going crazy with home runs, setting records. We got uh, his Yankees on fire, Boston way back, a whole lot more. Hey, it's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, everybody. We're talking sports. We're talking betting, having a lot of fun. Cam Stewart, Mike Blewett. We'll be back after a short break, everybody. Back everybody, it's Saturday. Hope everyone's having a nice day. Waking up, cup cup of coffee, and you know, watching a little tennis, golf, getting prepped for the day because it's going to be a big one today. It's a great Saturday. I'm Cam Stewart, along with my buddy Mike Blewett. I'll tell you, Mike, when uh, Kurtz takes a vacation, he doesn't screw around. No, <laughs> that's he's, a, that's a nice trip to Florida. He's still, he's no, like, he's like Chevy, Ch- he's like Chevy
2: Chase with the kids in the car. I'm Let's I'm roll. Doing a six hour shift here, <laughs> and he's hanging out and. Uh... <laughs> Disneyland. having a Slurpee or whatever with the Mickey ears on. (laughs) (laughs) Good for him. Yeah, that's
1: funny. I gotta love Curves, but Mike, it's been a pleasure doing uh, the weekend shows with you, and uh, that's the thing. We're jack of all trades, and uh, we're going through the basketball line right now, and just when, we were, when that line came out, I was really, really, really surprised, wow. especially since when you have, you know, the consensus. And I mean, it's nice to get both uh, perspectives from Morenci because, you know, he's living in Manhattan now and used to live here. So get all the different types of news and – you know, it's all about, you know, Golden State could have played better. And, oh, you know, they did. It's all Golden State, Golden State, Golden State. And I get it. Trust me. I get it. They are, you know, assassins. They are the best. They are, you know, what can what can you say historically? One of the best basketball teams in, in history. And nowadays doing what they've done is absolutely nuts. But to come out as the Raptors two-point favorites again, it's kind of like uh, New Jersey and Vegas saying, hmm, you know, like, I thought it would be Golden State, too. They always bounce back well. You can tell they're going to be a hell of a lot angrier. Klay Thompson was pretty fired up in his his. Pre- Press conference, knowing what they want to do. Were you surprised with that opening line? Because I thought it would be probably Golden State one and a half two instead of Toronto. Uh, very surprising.
2: By the time the game went off the other night, it was about one in favor of Toronto, if I yeah. if I remember correctly. So, I, I think I think Vegas is really just looking at this strictly like this is your KD penalty, uh, and we're penalizing you three or four points with KD being out, right? Um, and I think they're just approaching it like that. Home game for Toronto, no KD. It gets them, gosh, that probably gets them a half a dozen point swing, and that's how they're just doing it mathematically. I would suspect that this line comes down a little bit closer. People are going to know that the Warriors are desperate to get one of these out of Toronto. It's a weird, like, look. Every uh, the term "must win" is often overused, Cam, but yeah, yeah this is this. Both teams really State, need yeah, this. Yes, that's actually a great. Point. Because both. Gold, Golden State doesn't really want to have to win four of five when they don't know if they're getting KD back at all, and Boogie is clearly not himself. Uh, from Toronto's standpoint, they got to take every win that's there while KD isn't on the court. So. Um, I was pleased to see the way they played because I thought they might be a little bit tired, and I think it's obvious that k- nobody's a hundred percent. But Kawhi's definitely not on. Oh no, he as, Kawhi's as hurt. much as he's not a gamer. Like <laughs> you can tell, he hurt. So, yeah. um. So yeah, I th- I think that's the way that they're approaching the lines right now. Home home court advantage, KD penalty pushes it to two. I think we could see some movement down to one and a half or one by game time. But you're gonna get the to Toronto uh, Raptors are gonna be favored going into this game again.
1: I found it interesting too because I think there's a correlation between like I bet the game, Mike, and I thought okay. This is the time to pounce on Golden State, you know, while they're least expecting. Because I thought I thought the Toronto would be better out of the gate at home, and it, and it worked that way from a betting perspective. In the first quarter, they won the first quarter. They won the first half and they won the first game. I'm kind of worried about taking that direction this time because I wouldn't be surprised if Golden State came out. They understand, hey, you know, we got to make a statement off the bat. Usually you can attack the home team playing that way, Mike, and I bet, and it works a lot, especially in this NBA playoffs. If you win the first quarter, you tend to win the half in the game. Like, it's kind of like taking everything at the casino. But I'm not sure that's a great approach this time around because, you know, I'm going to probably bet the Raptors for the game. I still think they can win, but I'm a little bit hesitant to jump on, you know, first half. Half uh, minus one and uh, uh,
2: quarter, all, all sorts of those type of bets. What do you think about that? I would really like to see some stats, too, on how the Warriors fare after a loss. Because I remember the last time, last time I was in Vegas, the Warriors were coming off like a shocking loss. And I took their first half line and they came out hot. And they ended up not covering for the game. But to your point, that same dynamic uh, exists. So I'd like to see some Warriors lines and maybe some success for them. First quarter, first half lines for them or success for them coming off of a loss, whether it's playoffs or regular season.
1: Yeah, well, and I'll tell you one thing, though, the Raptors at home, Mike, they've been on fire, right? Like, what is it? uh, Eleven games, nine and two and eight and three ATS. That's one thing. Like, they're taking care of business at home. It's none of those things. I know a lot of people are just going to pencil in the Warriors in this spot, but I don't think people understand the home court advantage is very, very good. And this team's – Nick Nurse, I think he understands, too, with Golden State. You know that game wouldn't have been close. Steph Curry got to the line a lot in that game. I know they missed shots, but there was a lot of things to like. If you do have Raptors futures in that game, I've never seen this, uh, Golden State discombobulated. You know what I mean? Missing easy shots and the Raptor defense. Yeah. This isn't this isn't Portland. This isn't uh, you know Joe like Portland's no. defense. They just shredded them. Like it's a very very different defense. Just ask the Greek Freak in Milwaukee and uh, and
2: beat in Philly. That's right. Gasol and Ibaka create problems for guys down low that other teams wouldn't be able to create for them. Uh, they cre- clearly have great wing players and a veteran point guard who is mercurial at times, but he made, you know, like we saw at the end of the Philly series, even when Lowry couldn't assert himself offensively, he was making his hustle plays that he needed to make. And maybe he downshifts a little bit on his offensive on his scoring effort because he has Siakam there and guys like Gasol and Ibaka will create problems for them down low. It is, if there was, has been a weakness on the Warriors these last few years, it's that they're always trying to figure out what who goes in the middle. Is it Bogut? Is it uh, the guy that left for the Lakers this past year? I'm blanking on his name. Big tall dude, JaVale McGee. Is McGee. it? You know, they're yeah. always they always have a guy that is not somebody you're going to write home about in the middle because they don't have enough salary to go around. So they're trying to piece it together. Now, they've obviously been great enough defensively and they've been great enough offensively that they're able to overcome any weakness. But maybe this is just this all the time in sports. A lot of times it's about matchups, and I think the Raptors are going to give them everything they can handle. Game one was a really important part of that, and we saw the way in which you're going to try to attack it. Yeah, I just don't and, know if Siakam and Demarcus by the way, Cousins, the Warriors at one point had hit like their first twenty three free throws. Too. Yeah, I know. So I know just, that's, that's they were hitting every thing. free throw. I know they were getting they it to the miss. line and they hit all of them. They don't miss.
1: I know. And the final score, you're, you're winning by 10 and the, and the Raptors, they were good at the free throw line, but they still had misses. Like Golden State is just you can't put these guys on the line. There's going to be problems. DeMarcus Cousins is obviously a problem. Um great player, you know, and he's out of shape, Mike, and that's the thing he was exposed nice defensively. Stuff. I'm I'm just you know just even watching everything. Like he was he, he couldn't even leap. He was exhausted. He, looked, he he was totally gassed. Yeah, that's like me. Like when I go out there and you know I'm a big guy having a big run in the summer heat, that's what he looked like. He was gassed. He wasn't ready. Um, he was lost on defense. There was big there was big 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 problems there. And this is the thing So there's a report yesterday that comes out from uh, Yahoo Sports when I'm doing the update during the afternoon show. They're saying, um, I think we expected this, but KD coming back maybe, you know, realistically game four. Guys have not played in a long time too, Mike. Calf strain? There's a lot of things. Like, and... To to the point, the Fantasy Sports Radio Network and Television Network had the doctor on, uh, I don't know this guy, but just talking to other guys at our network and stuff. They were watching videos saying, wow, like the doctor saying, I don't think Kevin, he doesn't look right when he's walking. I'm going to trust the doctor's opinion. There's no guarantees if Kevin Durant does come back game four. I don't think he's going to play game three that he's even going to play. And what about this perspective? Mike? I'm just going to throw this one out there too. I'm hurt, you know, I'm going to play somewhere else next year. Yeah, you know, what am I gonna give? Like I I know that's probably unlikely, but it's something you have to think about.
2: The the ego check at play would be this do I come off the bench wearing my cape and save the Warriors and bring them to another title? (laughs) That would be that possible theory. Yeah. But at this moment, I don't expect to see Kevin Durant back. I really don't. I think he's that hurt. I do. I think he's that hurt that he's just (laughs) missing the series. Um, and is he really going to go out there at fifty percent if they're down three-one? No, like he won't. Why would he do that? Exactly. He's thinking about the big picture. Next so much money. Yeah, yeah. And those guys then then Draymond has all the ammo in the world to say we're happy to see you go. Do you know what I mean? They they obviously for sure they have egos. You know. it's difficult to say whether or not they're friends or not, but clearly they have a difficult relationship. Yeah. In that they go at each other, and Durant is no longer comfortable being a part of it. Every I day. think there's a mutual respect,
1: obviously. Like, yeah. and you know, before, like he said, obviously, you, we've seen the clips where he's like, "Oh, you know, we're we're way better." Obviously, we need Kevin Durant. Like, he, he'd be a fool fool not to say that they are a better team without him. If you think if you think not, you're crazy. And uh, but he also. I think, questions Kevin Durant's, you know, loyalty to the team, hunger. And I think deep down yeah. inside, these guys all know he's done. He's gone. He's not playing for the Golden State Warriors next year. So it's kind of like us versus them, you know, thank you, but see ya type of thing. Uh, that's that's yeah. what I get with their relationship.
2: I, you know I, I'm, I'm you. with you. I, and I think it's been like that for most of the year, where it's why Draymond called him out on it uh, at one point. But from what I understood, that it was – it went – over the line personally and professionally and i think kd had decided a long time ago i'm out of here uh is there a chance that he comes back maybe but i'd say that's really really low I, like i'd put it in single digits me too the chance that that Durant comes back you know approaching zero to be honest i, I think it's in the one to two percent range that he comes back uh to oakland uh or then san francisco or where, wherever they're moving, moving to they're moving next year, right? They move to the yeah. new arena next year in San Francisco. So yeah, uh, beautiful new arena, right? now. How are the people of Oakland feeling about life? You know, you lose, the, you're losing the Raiders. I talk you know. to some people about this. I'd, I'd like to
1: know. They already have a, a junk, like a junk stadium. When it comes to the A's, it's like it, it smells Literical. like you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Oracle is
2: old as hell. It is. The the A's have gotten the biggest shaft in the entire in the entire professional oh, sports it's land. It's a hoop job the, for fun. The, You're right. The A's are dealing with the worst situation. The Raiders were <laughs> dealing with the same situation. Yeah. And they said, peace, we're out of here. I mean, the Raiders were dead last in revenues every year in the NFL because of that stadium. And they can't get people to go and they don't have suites and all this other kind of stuff. So I understand why they wanted to move. The NFL was easily able to accommodate that because the owners saw an extra $500 million for a relocation fee into their pockets, which isn't shared revenue. And yep. we can get into that as well. But I talked to some people that uh, knew people that uh, that that sort of grew up in the area and went to Warriors games when they were younger. The fan base has changed over time because the Warriors were able to raise prices and it was already starting to price people out in Oracle. And there's no chance that those people are going to transition with the team. So what you're going to see at the new stadium is fully corporate uh, Silicon Valley money that will be in that stadium. So it will be a little bit like how the Heat were when the big three were there and to some extent how the lower bowl of Knicks games can be. Uh, it's it's hard to Lakers games could be. It's hard
1: to imagine that though, Mike. When I see a Raider fan dressed up in silver and black spikes coming out him, I remember a Seahawk fan they threw him down the stairs back in. Like when I look at Raider fan, uh, and I know one personally too. Like the guy's insane. Like he is a Raider, Raider fan. Hey, yeah, yeah. yeah. you know when I, w- I went over there, I remember he invited me over. We're working at a, a refinery together. He's like we got to be friends because we're big sports fans. And he was an older guy than me. I remember I come decked out. We watched a Raider Seahawk Monday night game when in the AFC West. He got his kid. Coming out in his jersey, kicked me in the balls. He goes, "We've been waiting for you." <laughs> hey, come on in, Cam. You oh Yeah, come on. We're gonna watch the game. I'm like, "Wow, this is a." He's training his kid to kick a guy. He was like <laughs> in the nuts to, to say. And, and the wife comes out with like you know Raider gear and stuff. I'm like, "What the hell?" Like it was like going to the Twilight Zone. He had like a black. His basement was the so, black hole. Like it was scary I mean, down there. <laughs> I'm
2: like, Ew. so what I would say is that the I think that as segment of the Raiders fan. Fans. Yeah. <laughs> I think some I think there'll be a smaller section of them in yes. Vegas mm-hmm. and they will have the opportunity to still maintain some of that section. Oakland to Vegas isn't a terrible trip. You can do it in a day. And I think if you have a late afternoon game, you know, say a 4 o'clock start in Vegas, people can even do it as a day trip. They'll get banged up on the plane. Yep. they go back to Southwest flight right after. They'll be running Southwest flights from Vegas to Oakland, no problem. And it won't be terribly expensive, and I think people will do that. But it'll be limited. There'll be less of them. They'll only do it a couple of times a year. They'll have that section. What you're really going to see in Vegas is, to some extent, what's happened in Dallas where you'll get 15,000 Steelers fans showing up for the Vegas game or, you know, 20,000 Packers fans showing up for the Vegas game. Excellent point. I think that's just just what it's going to be.
1: That's kind of what, you know what, and the the Vegas Golden Knights Stanley Cup run was so impressive to me because I know – Everybody and their mother had, bit, bit like when like Leaf fans, you take the, the the tour, boom, thousands and thousands of people there. The Winnipeg fans, they were like 80% of the arena. It was nuts. They took yeah. over the place. Like, that's the thing. It was crazy. All these Canadian guys and, you know, from the Northeast, if you're from Boston, New York, whatever, hey, you know what? Let's go see our team in Vegas. And they still did yeah. that crazy, crazy run because, hey, they had a great team. They did a good job. They got hot goaltending. But that's Great point you bring up, Mike. That's what it's going to be. That's what, what kind of shocked me. It's like, wow, these guys are kind of visitors in all their games, even though the atmosphere was electric. Well, during the regular season, well, during the regular season especially, people didn't uh, couldn't afford the playoff tickets. But it was nuts because they were never – they were the home team, only a name.
2: Yeah, so the stadium's going to be smaller. It's only 60,000 seats. I was actually – so I was in Vegas in Feb- February? Yeah. yeah. So I was in Vegas in February, and – it's being built. It's not that far from Mandalay Bay. It's outside and off the Strip, but not very far. You can see Mandalay Bay from where awesome. from where the stadium is. It's a few minutes away. Um, and I don't know what the traffic will be like and all that kind of stuff, but you know how Vegas is. Like Even with all the casinos built, there's still plenty of room around it. Now, the interesting thing is that the greater metropolitan area of Vegas is only 2 million people. Uh, you have the city and effectively two suburbs. You have Henderson, and I'm blanking on the other one. But it, there isn't that many people to support a team like that, plus most people that live in Vegas are transient or from another city uh, or whatever it might be. so Summerland? They already have their team. Yes, that's it, Summerland. So uh, so that's really the people that you're working with, people that are already fans of the team. So how much will the locals really get in and support the Knights and the Raiders remains to be seen. I can just tell you that I went to a Dallas Cowboys playoff game two seasons ago, the one they won, lost on the Mason Crosby bomb kick to end it. Oh, you were even that in that playoff game. game. Yeah, I'm what a, game. Game. What a great. great game to pick! <laughs> great game. yeah, amazing. A buddy of mine worked for the Cowboys, so we got a full hookup Wanked. and everything too. But the 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 issue there is that that was a playoff game, a blood rival Packers Cowboys playoff game. And there were plenty of Packers fans there, plenty of them. They just come in, and even in that atmosphere, in that game, in a big city that supports the Cowboys, there was room for Packers fans to come in, and they traveled well. And even for the positive Packers plays, you could hear them cheer. So I think the Raiders are just going to have to get used to that.
1: Yeah, and and another thing, Mike, I'm going to tell you, I go to Vegas a lot. We used to go, Gabe and I, like all the time, like our boss used to send it was cheap. I'm going to be going to probably Atlantic City a lot more. Think about all the fees and taxes you pay. I stay at dumb hotels, and it's still getting way too expensive. So I think uh, with all the taxes there, it's going to be harder to get out to. I don't even want to go to join the super contest, but we got more stuff coming up. We got baseball, soccer, Champions League final, NBA playoffs. Wow, it's everything here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody. Weekend edition Fantasy Sports Radio Network here. I'm Cam Stewart along with Mike Blewett. We're going through a busy Saturday, Mike. It's nice to see we haven't touched like the baseball card yet. We got lines no. there. We got Champions League soccer that will go over an All-England final between Liverpool and Tottenham, which should be an absolutely great uh, soccer game. As I mentioned, uh, I went to a a bar with Portuguese Joe, my former tenant, and his kid last night, and the lady said, you better uh, call in in the morning. We're already booked. He's like, what? It's like the bar could fit like thousands of people. I don't think it's kind of like Raptors off the top. I don't think people understand in in our community too, like soccer next to basketball. like It's nuts. They're already packing these bars, and I'll tell you, the Brits, uh, the bar staff is going to be pretty happy, Mike. I think there's going to be some pretty heavy bar bills going on with Liverpool and Tottenham. It should be a nice, nice game today. Uh, Mo Salah, it's and Liverpool, the favourites, minus 110. Um, they're minus uh, 210, I thought, to lift the trophy. So in regulation, you can either take the 90-minute and extra time draw. Tottenham is like plus 340. I got to believe Liverpool, they're a lot more talented uh, in the Europa League. Uh, Arsenal basically got smoked by Chelsea in the second half.
2: I'm a Chelsea nil, guy, so... It's nil-nil, uh, yeah. It's actually one of my best friends that.
1: is Chelsea guy, yeah.
2: it's like yeah, He yeah. was so
1: happy, right? He's like, yay, Chelsea, the Blues. I'm like, hey, good for you, man, because I know they can disappoint uh, over time. I've seen him sad very, very, very many times, but congratulations yeah. for the win, but this should be a great, great final, and it's amazing how four English teams made up the Europa and Champions League final. That's unheard of, and the way they did it, Mike. Nuts.
2: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, look, this year, I, I was expecting this to Joe Galina on the previous show, uh, if this year was the ultimate year to try to get somebody to watch Champions League, and give you a sense of how crazy it can be, and there were last-minute hijinks and disallowed goals and all this other kind of stuff that got these teams through, with Tottenham beating beating Man City, it, it, they had looked like they had lost. And then they disallowed Man City's final goal, which allowed Tottenham to go through. Like in the final minute of the game, this happened. Uh, Liverpool came from behind as well. They were down three goals and just uh, blitzed. Uh, who was it? Did they play? Was it Milan? I can't even remember at this point. Uh, um, Liverpool played to, Manchester City, did they? Was it, uh, it was Liverpool and Man City and then Tottenham. I can't even remember. Or, uh, Barcelona. I'll, I'll just, Barcelona. That's it. That's it. So... Yeah. Uh, so, Liverpool comes in second in the Premier League. Man City wins it. Um, but Liverpool's now in the finals here. And then you have Tottenham, which came in fourth in the Premier League. And now they're in the finals here as well, which they did in dramatic fashion. Chelsea came in third in the Premier League. It's my team. It's sort of a disappointing year for them, but given the fact that Man City and Liverpool played so well. By the way, Liverpool came in second in the Premier League this year, finished with 97 points. It's the most points ever for a second-place finish. So they had a great season and still came up short. Uh, I can't be mad about Chelsea coming in third when the two teams on top played so well. Uh, I'm happy that they won the Europa League because it means they're automatically... Uh, in Champions League next year, which they were anyway because they qualified. But on the flip side, it kept Arsenal out of Champions League. If you win Europa League, despite not finishing in place in yep. your standings, you automatically get a bid to Champions League. But Arsenal's out, and nobody that is an uh, is not an Arsenal fan roots for Arsenal. That's just kind of the rule. Uh, people also <laughs> exactly. don't like Chelsea. I think Chelsea fans being disappointed though is a function of them having extremely high expectations of having yeah. won so much in the previous 15 years. A little bit of a downtrend, but you know they won the Premier League just a couple of years ago, and and uh, I was happy to see them win the other day. But this will be crazy. Uh, to be in Madrid right now would be a lot of fun. I also think you would have to be really careful with two English teams. Oh, for sure. Fan bases, hard <laughs> yes. drinking for yes. several days leading up to this. I think that could be wild. And I would imagine the Madrid policia will be on special alert for something like this.
1: Yeah. Like when I was in Scotland visiting my buddy and he transferred to uh, the Costco out there, like he's a hey. Ranger supporter. we were going to go to a, like a Ranger Celtic game. He's like, nah, oh, hey, Cam, nah, nah. no, I'm not, it's okay. Like yeah. I've been here a few years. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, he knows I'm a friendly guy too. It doesn't matter there. You know what I mean? Like nah, it no. doesn't matter. Hey, how you doing smash like glasgow yeah. kiss i got some glass going through my head there rock, walking yeah. into the wrong uh, team supporters bar but it's a, an excellent like it's funny mike you're 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 a chelsea fan and i got to know you you're a nice guy my na- my neighbor's a very very friendly man i don't want to make blanket statements but arsenal fan i equate to raider fan a lot more they're very very hardcore the ones that i've met are like you know covered in tats
2: and they want to rumble a lot more is that is that fair <laughs> I think I think many fan bases in England have segments of that, but I yeah. think the most hardcore fans would be the West Ham United fans, oh, the Hammers. They're, so they're crazy. If you are if you are going to pick out a Premier League level team that has a fan base that's willing to mix it up. I think you would make, you would equate the Raiders to West Ham. That's probably the best. In fact, the West Ham United supporters came to Cleveland uh, for a friendly or to Columbus. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, the Columbus, Columbus crew. The Columbus crew. Oh, they got into that's a right. fight. No, that's Their, right. the West Ham supporters got into a fight with the Columbus crew supporters. There was like a, you know, a, a hooligan brawl on a friendly. It was a friendly match. It doesn't matter. The crew and West Ham United have nothing to do with one another. So, um, yeah, that's part of the deal there. Uh, for
1: people for, for people just hooping it in like l- learning about soccer and getting into it which is a lot uh, I don't know what it is mike but how, how how do we say this like the level of fandom between like football ba- like nothing is it, it's insane like i i, I don't even i don't even up know up where to one, begin man. it's, it's all rolled
2: up into one it's Politics, more religion than it is religion yep religion exactly you know, <laughs> and sometimes religion and racism and all this other ugly stuff comes into play on the soccer fields they're not nice to opposing players there's a lot of uh fifa has to step in at times finally started stepping in yeah, at times too much racism yeah spend suspending players spending fan bases there's been international soccer games played in front of empty stadiums due to fear of violence and threat and everything else so uh it we have not yet seen that happen luckily in north american sports but Um, it isn't quite the same. There's enough different sports here going on that it's the one team, Cam. In a lot of instances, it's the one team. There isn't a London basketball team to cheer for or a baseball team or a football team. It's the one team in your section of London. I believe there's six London teams up in Premier League right now. It's Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea. uh, I'd have to go through them. I don't know if Fulham is up right now. That's a London team. So there's generally somewhere between four to seven London teams in a given moment uh, that are fighting for one another just from different sections of London uh, going against it with historical fan bases. So everybody's got their own turf, both in uh, soccer terms and sometimes in hooliganism terms.
1: Aston Villa they they've qualified right they've gone from uh, division 1 because they they won their, so they're they're going back to yeah. the premiership correct good, back, for that's right, yeah. good for them yeah. I, uh, good for them i good for villa that's t- like i don't even know what to, what to equate that to that's another thing like just getting from division 1 back to the premiership like that's insane like financially might be a real smart guy. Like, financial how, yeah ball. like what exactly how much right what are we talking because i know a buddy who's also a sheffield united uh, and sheffield wednesday fan they've been in uh, they haven't been able to get back to the premiership for i don't know how long and they're saying it's like economically like it could be crushing but uh how much how much quit are we talking about here when you go from <sighs> it's a
2: good Pre- it's a good
1: Division question. One to premier
2: <laughs> i'll look it up during one of the breaks but it is significant and a lot of times when you see teams Uh, fall down a division, they have to uh, jettison players on loan and sell players off in order to keep the lights on. So it is, even though there are some of these teams which in the Premier League feel like they've been middle of the pack for the last 15 years, like West Ham, a team that I just mentioned. They're happy to be there. They'll take their shot on the one year. Then they can have a Leicester City type of year, hopefully. But they're fine to be in the Premier League, even if they're finishing right uh, at the end of the top half or uh, beginning of the bottom half of the league. It is still massive financial security, and they can sign players without having to sell off all the time.
1: Yeah, we're never going to see a Leicester City thing like that. You know, Grandma putting a couple quid on them to win that kind of money. Like the the sports yeah. book there, which are very, very generous, and I bet on one of them. Uh, Mr. Green, that's uh, probably one of the biggest uh, books in, uh, you know, the world. Uh, <clears throat> bet 365. But, uh, yeah, no, it's just one of those things, uh, Mike. You're never going to have – it's kind of like what happened with – the Kurt Warner and the Rams, you're not going to post a three, four hundred to one anymore. Now it becomes like, nope. you know, you're brutal 80 to 100. They just can't take the liability of, of people who are crazy dog players just throwing money at it and You know, by some lucky strike of God, uh, it actually happens and comes in and they get smoked, the
2: books. The 99 Rams are the reason uh, for the cap on uh, long odds for Super Bowl champs. They are the reason because people hit huge because why wouldn't you take a shot if you're a, a, a sharp player that's spreading money around? There's a value in every team at some point. And now I believe they cap it. At two fifty to one, I don't know what the Dolphins are, odds yeah. are right now, but I some they places are, are like
1: hundred, hundred and fifty. They yeah. don't even get that crazy, you know. You got to right. shop around, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's uh, no. I, I will not be
2: taking even at two hundred and fifty. I don't think we're going to be taking the Dolphins. <laughs> we're out. <on> the Dolphins <laughs> four <laughs> and a half is a low number. That yeah. is a low number. It really is, but it's
1: kind of like we said when we did uh, the other show the other week. Like they might just like tank. Don't you think? And Josh Rosen, we talk about it. He might be in the exact same situation next year with uh, Tua uh, or Lawrence or uh, Herbert. Right. Like, well, yeah,
2: yeah. there's <laughs> not it's I
1: not don't easy think there's any
2: doubt. I don't have much doubt that Josh Rosen is going to be in a really similar position next year. And it won't be his fault, but there's nothing he can do about it because they'll have an opportunity to. I... Football is a little different with tanking. You actually have to build the team badly and coach it badly mm-hmm. like the Browns did with Hugh Jackson to, to lose that many games in a row because the players individually can't tank. Like Xavier Howard and Minka Fitzpatrick and now Christian yep. Wilkins, so those guys are going to go out and play as hard as they can, right? Uh, Xavier Howard just got his money, but Minka is trying to— play for money, and as far as all the other players are concerned, those three guys actually have some security. As far as all the other guys, Juan um Larry Mutunsel does as well, but as far as all the other players are concerned, they they don't think they're going to be on the Dolphins next year. They're trying to get another deal because they're 27, and they're trying to get their last NFL deal and win a two-year deal somewhere to try to get some security. That's just the way football works. There's enough turnover on every roster every year, and especially on a bad team, like think. Put it in this terms, Cam. If you see the opening day roster for 2019 of the Dolphins, the opening day roster of the 2020 Dolphins is likely to be 25 to 30 different players. Yep. That's major turnover. It sure it's is. It's probably going to be accurate. It's more than half the team. Yeah, you're right. They're, yeah,
1: even if you're like a really, really bad team, and just the the parody of the league, like you you have to Cleveland Browns it to 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 be that bad. Tell you yeah. something about Hugh Jackson and uh, the players and the staff on that team. Back to the soccer, yeah. Mike. Uh, Can you make like, like I know Tottenham, Harry Kane, like they 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 have good players. They've been a nice story, but I think Liverpool simply outmatches them. I really don't. I don't know how you're going to play this if we're going to bet it to win the game only. So not even in the 90 minutes and uh, extra time. Liverpool's minus uh, 220. I see Tottenham uh, uh, plus 180. Uh, I have to believe Liverpool's the the better side here. I think they they should win. And uh, total over under for goals two and a half. I kind kind of lean. I think like Liverpool can win like what do you think like a two to one, three to one type of game. I I, I lean to I'll Liverpool. Take the and over
2: the- over. On the- I will take the over. I'm with you. I, I would take Liverpool and the over here as well. The upside of Champions League final is that it's just a one game. You know, as many of you out there listening may or may not know, uh, the way Champions League sets up is you play a group stage, then you advance to the then you advance to the round of 16. But in the round of 16 and each subsequent round until the final, you play. Two matches against one another, home each way. There's several tiebreakers and aggregate mm-hmm. scores and aggregate away goals that create tie breaks. So in the event of a tie, you don't go to a shootout every time. It's just too exhausting in order to do that. So... Um, the upside of the Champions League final is that it just comes down to one day. In an aggregate situation, you definitely would bet Liverpool. You have the shot here with Tottenham. Um, Is there magic in the air for them? I don't know. Liverpool put up such a huge number in the Premier League this year, and now they're rested rested, and Mo Salah can play. Harry Gaines dealt with some injuries this year. Yep. Um, I think top to bottom, you're looking at Liverpool. I will take the over. I'll expect a little bit of scoring today, even if it doesn't happen immediately. Uh, I don't know if the floodgates will open, but uh, and the last time Liverpool was in a Champions League final was the greatest soccer match I've ever watched in my life. The 2005 Champions League. Oh East yeah a lot. AC I was Milan. on a cruise there. I remember. I'll never forget Crazy. that day. It was AC nuts. Milan was yes. up three nothing after yes. halftime, yes. and everybody thought it was over. I was in a bar in Manhattan, a well-known <laughs> soccer bar called Baker Street. It's yeah. on the corner of 63rd and First, and we watched <laughs> Liverpool come from behind, and then in. Uh, I think they won in shootouts, from what I remember. That's right. But, that's right. I'll uh, never forget yeah, they, that day. I was on a was, damn cruise
1: uh, with Brits. Like, they almost amazing. tipped the ship over. Like, it was one of the – it was crazy, actually. Like, that That whole day was like uh, – I've had some crazy moments in my life. I'm just – that one's coming back as, like, top ten. Like, that was – I don't think people understand how insane that game was. That was why I'm actually, like, for sporting events, like, one of the world's best. Like, yeah, you're, you said it, Mike. That was, like – I didn't even know where to begin with that game it was that was madness. fourteen years
2: ago yeah uh, i I you know I was at the time a very avid soccer fan i I think I still am to some extent it the problem for me with soccer now is it's harder for me to watch hey because you know we're doing shows during yeah. the time that soccer is played all through certainly during during football season I'm on air during even this time of year yeah. I know this most uh, the regular season soccer is over now or all of it is but I'm on air most of the time. I can keep an eye on it. Maybe after I get off, I can see it. I follow it more than I watch it, if that makes sense. Yeah, Today, no, it makes total I'm sense. I'm going to watch. Uh, so, um, so from that standpoint, uh, that one, I was a really avid soccer fan. Then I used to watch a many matches, almost all of Chelsea's matches. And that still, to this day, is the greatest soccer match I've ever seen it was just a stunning comeback of an underdog team that didn't even they didn't even finish well in the Premier League this year that year but got through the tournament and came from behind an AC Milan which was a powerhouse team uh, 14 years ago right now Tottenham man, plus 340 Cam those are attractive odds but I think it does tell you what Vegas yeah. thinks of the opportunity for them to win this game
1: that's the thing yeah plus 340 if they win within the 90 and extra time plus 175 to you know hoist the trophy uh, it, it's yeah. it, it's interesting like I always look like you know my first uh, you know me my, my eyes always first go to the plus to the minus but I can't see it happening I, I, yeah. I, even even watching Tottenham I don't think they have the offense to pull it off I don't think they're I don't think they're going to score more than one goal in this game whereas I think Liverpool can score three or four I think it's going to be very similar to uh, the Europa League final even if it's uh, scoreless you know, no nil nil at the half I think Liverpool exp- in the second half go up maybe two three nothing and win you know a three four to one type of game
2: that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, The over is my favorite bet of everything I've seen here. Uh, clearly, Liverpool, we always have to remember that even when it's minus, Cam, you're getting value there because yeah. it could be a lot worse, right? You Sometimes you can play the favorite if you feel good about it, but the over is my favorite bet in this game.
1: I agree. At two and a half, I think we're going to be taking the over in the Champions League final. I'm Cam Stewart. He's Mike Blewett. We'll talk some more baseball we haven't got to. NBA golf, too. Tiger Woods making a little bit of a move.
2: It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. A lot of sports going on. It's a great Saturday, everybody. Stick around.